welcome to the States of Matter, a podcast from the Institute of Refrigeration's Women in RACHP Network. I'm Karen Perry and always here with me to co-host is Lisa Jane Cook. As we continue our theme discussing subjects of interest for our industry's women, we're excited to welcome to inspiring women in engineering who have both, like Lisa Jane, been shortlisted in Women Engineering Society Top 50. Jacinta Caden and Laura Bishop, welcome to both of you. Thank you very much. I won't spoil your biographies by introducing you in just a few quick sentences, as I'm sure there's a lot to say, but we'll ask both of you to tell us about yourselves, what you do, a bit about your career history and what being a female engineer means to you. Jacinta, tell us a bit about your background first. I currently work at U-Systems. We manufacture coolant solutions for data centres and micro data centres and we supply globally. So it's manufactured here in Bedford and I currently work as the technical sales manager here. How I started out in the industry was I did an apprenticeship in refrigeration and air conditioning with a contractor in Dublin. So I spent four years on the tools, off the tools, you know, in and out of college over that four-year period, as well as working on site, mainly with retail, commercial uh, refrigeration systems, air conditioning systems, VRF systems, in a variety of bases, which would be, you know, cold stores, hotels, restaurants, butchers, warehouses, all that kind of stuff. And that's where I kind of got my career started. I was a bit late in starting, I suppose. I already had a career and I decided at the age of 22 to just move and do something that I actually was interested in. I I grew up in refrigeration, air conditioning business, electrical, mechanical kind of haulage as well. So I was kind of already had an idea about what it involved so I suppose an an apprenticeship to me was just a natural next step from then I left my apprenticeship and then I went to work for a wholesaler where I was doing technical uh, sales engineering and that was supporting contractors that had inquiries that came in they wanted um, we'll say cold room equipment so they would ask me to spec the equipment that would go into that space spent 10 years there so I got to to know much of the products condensing units, evaporators, uh, air conditioning systems, manufacturers, suppliers, all the technical kind of aspects of the various valves and components that also go in with the equipment as well. So 10 years after there, then we decided to go into sales and work for manufacturer and data center cooling. Uh, they made DX and chilled water systems, not similar to what I'm doing now, but again, it was data center uh, orientated moved on from there to kind of contracting uh, where it was I was doing business development for a contractor who would service and maintain industrial refrigeration sites, equipment, critical environments, again data centers as well and uh, again went into project management, selling for project management, management consultancy kind of work in the data center sector. So it's kind of been kind of varied, but the foundation of my knowledge and experience was coming from having done an apprenticeship. So uh, that's how I started, if you like. So I don't know about Laura, how she uh, <laughs> fared out and if it was the same or not. Thanks, Jacinta. I've never met Jacinta, so it was nice actually to hear some background from her as well. So a bit about my background. I um, started out doing engineering when I was 18. So I did a BTEC in engineering after failing my A-levels and not knowing what to do next. But my dad's actually an engineer, so I sort of thought, "Mm, well, maybe I could do that. So I went off and did a BTEC and then went to university, did engineering there. Then I moved up to Derby, worked for a company called Bombardier, uh, who are now Alstom, working on their graduate scheme. So I was designing uh, London Underground trains for them. So I've had quite a very career when I look back over it. So it was 22 years ago. So I'm actually a design, mechanical design engineer by background rather than a refrigeration engineer or a building services engineer. But over that time, I've worked in lots of different companies doing a lot of stuff. Started out on trains. Then I went to Rolls Royce because I live in Derby. So there's a lot of engineering companies here, which is a great place to be. So I uh, went to Rolls Royce uh, designing hydrogen fuel cells, which is interesting because obviously there's a whole debate now about hydrogen for heating. Then I've had a bit of brief foray at Babcock doing nuclear submarines, working on their next generation submarine programme. And then um, went to Eon because I really, really wanted to get into renewable energy, but I wasn't quite sure at the time what that meant because lots of people think just about electricity but I knew I wanted to do something along them lines Uh, my dad is a big environmentalist even though he probably wouldn't say he was but um so it's always been 
there in my background about being conscious of the environment and waste and how we use our energy and stuff. So I knew I wanted to get into that and I went to work for Eon in their micro-generation team as their engineering manager. We were doing a lot of solar PV, rental roof type schemes back then and then went into their commercial heat team when the renewable heat incentive started. And that was my first experience of heat pumps. I'd actually done a master's degree at Loughborough University in that time as well in my spare time in renewable energy systems which covered nothing to do with heat pumps, nothing to do with heating or cooling whatsoever. It's all very electricity focused so going suddenly into the world of big biomass and big heat pumps was like wow what's this all about and it was actually really really good. I absolutely enjoyed that so much and began to realise the importance of generating heating and cooling from things that were not being burned like gas and coal and oil. I was at Eon for a bit and that gave me a great insight into the industry and I made loads of contacts, had some really great suppliers and then well basically I was given the opportunity to have redundancy which some people say is a bad thing but actually I thought oh maybe I could uh, could sit at my own consultancy and be self-employed and I thought no I couldn't do that and then I thought well okay let's try it and I thought I'll try it four months and that was nine, nine years ago, which is bonkers. Um, so basically went from being at Eon, designing large heat pump systems to doing it on my own. So basically over the last nine years, I've run Infinitas, which is a consultancy based in Derby. I've had a lot of graduates come and work for me over, over time. A lot of my suppliers became my first customers. So I've had the whole experience of setting up a business, running a business, as well as now designing a lot of heat pump systems, a lot of them on the renewable heat incentive, that sort of grew Help the business to grow quite a lot, actually. Uh, so thank you, government, for putting that out there. And the whole decarbonisation piece has changed so much over the last 10 years, really. Um, now I'm the chair of the Ground Source Heat Pump Association. So I'm, I'm very, very much involved in the ground source industry, although we also design a lot of air source heat pumps as well, especially if there's like big commercial buildings like universities and schools and hospitals and things like that. But yeah, it's just such a different market now from where it was 10 years ago. But basically, that's where I am now. And we're just about to go into a partnership. So after nine years of being on my own, I'm just about to merge the company with another company. So we're going into partnerships. So that's quite exciting. So that is basically my career background in a nutshell. Laura, you, you kind of followed maybe the university route, where Jacinta talks about apprenticeships. And I think firstly, Laura, for you, kind of through that university, I, I suppose, if you're if your master's was in quite a different subject to maybe what you expected, how did you find that with being a woman in that learning process? Were you alone? Were, were, there, were you against sort of others? Or um, It's funny, really, because the BTEC I took was a women into engineering BTEC. And I started that in 1997. And I think of all women that are on that course, about 35 women, only two went on to do engineering. And I don't know how much further forward we are now. But that aside, when I was at university, there was two women and 40 blokes, whatever, in my year. Um, That made absolutely no difference to me whatsoever. I didn't really see that as a problem or even as as an issue, really. But it has definitely always been a thing through university and going through work that is still very, 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 very man heavy. <laughs> but yeah, never encountered any problems. It was noticeable that there was a big dearth of women at university. And I think that's it. It's, you know, very similar to you. We don't we don't feel it in our everyday, but sometimes, yeah, you do see it in a meeting or huh. with an experience that you kind of think this is odd. And when people look at us as an industry it does probably look quite male heavy which is why we want to attract more more women into the industry I I was going to say the same thing there was I think I was the third girl in Ireland to have done refrigeration and air conditioning as an apprenticeship and I don't think we're that much further on we've had maybe I know definitely one more since um who I've met but you know when in my class at the time there were two classes running at the same time I was the only girl in the in that year to have gone through and so there's 34 of us, maybe something like that, um, all together in the colleges uh, that I went to. Oh, you could there were we were definitely a minority and um, there were definitely more, we'd say, electricians and plumbers, maybe but refrigeration, very thin on the ground. I suppose I never saw it as a thing because I suppose I kind of grew up. I, I felt it was normal to do what I was doing. I definitely didn't think it was strange because. I grew up doing this sort of stuff. I was constantly surrounded by, you know, all sorts of 
you know, refrigeration equipment and trucks and trailers and mechanics and fitters and tire people and all sorts of, you know, men that were doing jobs. And I would go to work with some of them, you know, just because I was I was just always interested and I was always it was just my that visual aspect of it was just something that I was just so accustomed to. So I never once felt out of place in at work or in college because it was just so familiar to me. So I never thought of it as a thing until I suppose I moved to the UK, you know, 14 years ago now. And all of a sudden that there was an interest in kind of trying to raise awareness about the rarity of somebody like me. And it was only then I thought, oh, maybe I am rare. (laughs) Or maybe, yeah, maybe we should do something about this. So again, like Laura, it was just, it was just not even crossed my mind, to be honest. Um, And when I look back on it, now that I'm getting more involved in these kind of conversations and committees and all sorts of different groups and things like that, I still try to think back really hard to wonder, was there anything that I could have picked up on to bring forward to my story now? And no, not really. (laughs) Sort of of similar, but different. The same, but different, aren't we, I suppose. The way we saw it, but also the two different routes we went down it wasn't that one training route was different to the other in the way that we felt or the way that we were within those uh, organizations like you know so there's a couple of really interesting points that I've taken away from both of your situations the first is that our environment can play a contribution to the direction that we go in and you both have been in environments where engineering is so you've almost like just in such where she didn't feel out of place you've you've had that around you so that sort of probably pushes you towards that and we talk a lot about obviously role models and um just sort of relating that back to the topic that we've we've got with you guys with the the where's top 50 getting an award like that is recognizing you as role models so you come to the place that you are because perhaps of the, the environment that you're in, but now you have that opportunity to help to attract more women into the industry. But I wonder perhaps what you think the barriers are. So what, what it is that women are not finding attractive about engineering? So it's, so could I ask Laura first what you think the issue is? I've asked myself this question quite a lot. I mean, I'm also a STEM ambassador and I don't do as much as I'd like to because just a time, but you know, when I do go into schools, I go into primary schools, I like going to primary schools because you get the kids when they're young. And I think if they're not surrounded, maybe they don't have parents or somebody working in an engineering environment, or they have somebody who's, this is what I see a lot, they see somebody who's a mechanic, a car mechanic or something like that, and they think that's engineering. If you don't have that around you, then it's not something you're ever going to think about. So if you're 9, 10, 11, and you're seeing a, a lady come into school and talk to you about what they do for a, a living and they're wearing not not uh, mechanics overalls, then, then maybe that's sort of going to plant a little seed. I think, first of all, I don't know whether, whether teachers even understand what engineering is, therefore they can't teach it in a way that is real. Do you know what I mean? Like we're really talking about this is what we do on a day-to-day basis. So, so they're not getting taught it, which is not teacher's fault at all, but there's not enough of us going into schools and saying, hey, guys, you could do this. And I'm actually talking about boys as well, because I also think that boys don't understand what engineering is. And, and I think there's opportunity for both because we, we're strapped for people in the industry. But I think it really is. It does stem back to that. Um, there's still, even after all this time, there is still that thing about what girls do and what boys do. And unless you get in there very early when they're young, at primary school level, I think they already have these ideas formed in their heads, unless they've got somebody around them that says, hey, you could you could be an engineer. You enjoy physics. You enjoy fixing things. You enjoy understanding problems. You could be an engineer. But if nobody tells them that, they're never going to know. Yeah, I agree. Career guidance in my school was, when I look back on it, poor. We had one career guidance teacher. And if she didn't know about it, I mean, what chance did we have? You know what I mean? And I also agree in that the unless somebody in the family or some friend or somebody that they know is in engineering, it's very hard to get them to even be aware of it. We could also reverse this. You know, I've got three sisters. <laughs> you know, we didn't grow up with 
private jets on our drive. But yet, that's where my sister works. <laughs> so how come they appealed to her? She knew she was the only one out of us that knew exactly what she wanted to do when she grew up. And she still is doing it. And she, you know, pursued that. So there's, I, I think it's because our industry is hidden. We all are aware, even from back in my day, what an airplane was. <laughs> so, and you, and it was also, we'll say, maybe glamorized a bit more because it was something so cool, you know, being able to fly from one country to another or whatever. And then when it comes to refrigeration and air conditioning and heat pumps, it's not something you see. Like that airplane wouldn't exist if it wasn't for what we provide. So it's because it's hidden and trying to make something attractive that's hidden is really, really difficult. And I think that's what the problem is. Engineering is one thing, but our industry is another. Engineering is a subject as such. You don't take refrigeration in school, do you? <laughs> you, know, you don't go, you know, unless you really do an apprenticeship sort of thing. So there's a, there's a whole, it's just about the visibility of it. I think that's what the problem is more so than anything I think, else. I think in, in schools now and kids, because they're so interested in the, the environment and a circular economy that heat pumps certainly becomes a lot more exciting and, and glamorous to talk about. Glamorous, maybe not, but yeah, it's a bit more exciting to talk yeah. about. But I think as well, when we when we try to look at um, with with STEM is looking at refrigeration and, and how involved it is in everything that we do. And I think that's where it is. It's talking to the kids. You said it there, Laura, about, you know, it's not just a mechanic or a car mechanic it, about the vast ranges. And I think that is people from the industry going into schools and, and talking to young kids and getting them interested about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think because because it's really interesting what you what you said because I've never thought about it before as being hidden, but it, that's absolutely what it is. It's you can't live your life without generally what engineers do. Everything from putting your kettle on in the morning to having electricity coming into your home so you can switch your lights on, but people don't think about what's behind that and I don't blame them because what generally why would you but yeah you're right I think with the whole new focus on sustainability and the environment and I think you know this climate anxiety that a lot of um, young people are experiencing there is a lot more interest in renewable energy I still think we have a long way to go because as I said before when people talk about renewable energy they immediately think of wind turbines the fact that heating is a huge much bigger heating and cooling is much bigger than electricity to deal with in terms of climate and carbon and all that people just are not thinking about it you know so it is another hidden thing you know you come into your house it feels warm okay good you don't think about well how is my radiator getting warm unless you were a bit that way inclined Uh, most kids probably are not that way inclined but I think the only thing we can do is have an army of us going into schools on a very regular basis and talking to as many kids as who will listen. And some of them will listen and some of them will hear that and think, yeah, I am interested in that. I want to know more about that. But until we go in and explain this is ha- this is what's happening, you know, on either. I mean, Jacinta just covered it there, you know, aeroplanes, um, refrigerants, you know, and, and de-icing and all the fluids and everything that goes on inside an airplane that wouldn't so the airplane wouldn't work without all of that side of things and the air conditioning because you'd basically won't be able to breathe <laughs> it's those sort of things that then, then makes them think ah oh, yeah no thought about that um even in the manufacturing process when it comes to manufacturing certain elements for the aircraft or components that go into it this cooling process process cooling that's required and all this sort of stuff so this call wouldn't take place if it wasn't for cooling their phones wouldn't work if it wasn't for cooling. Like, if we can explain it in that way, for example, something that they can relate to, they can't, they can't, you know, live without TikTok or Netflix or whatever it may be. Like, none of that can happen without cooling, in some in some fashion. You'll have to make it, some TikTok videos just into. Oh, that. you're joking me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even get my camera to work today. (laughs) That's exactly the way I always get the kids' attention, especially if I'm talking at senior school level. You know, you go in, you say, I work in refrigeration, maybe talk a little bit about what that means. And then you say to them, without refrigeration, your phones wouldn't work. And they're all just like, what? (laughs) And it's then that they're listening then. They're interested at that point. And even if you think of it, I mean, our whole 
even right up to mortuary level. <laughs> you know, there it's it's not the, it's not going to go away. You know, um, it's an industry that's around for a very long time and is trying to get the interest in, you know, them realizing that the the opportunities and the longevity in the industry. It's, so it's not like a passing phase. You know, mm. it's been around and it's going to be around. It's just how we make it, like Laura said, more sustainable, more energy efficient, all that sort of stuff is how we need new ideas, new new people into the industry. Um, but the problem is the fact that it's hidden. I, th- I think we all agree. I think, again, that just highlights why it's so important to have role models, not just female role models, but other, other people within our industry standing up and talking about what we're doing. And that definitely, it definitely is improving. I think I see a lot more... Um, you know, manufacturers and consultants going out into their communities and sharing what they're doing, not only, you know, to attract people into STEM, but for their future talent. And it also helps to retain staff as well, because it is incredibly rewarding um, having that opportunity. I think we, we don't talk about that much, do we, about how it actually makes you feel as an individual when you get that chance to actually share something back into your community. Yeah, I think um, also with, uh, with you know, employers and you know, everyone, when they, when they're struggling to get somebody to come and fix a certain problem or they have a call out, something like that, they soon realize that they have to start investing into making an effort to attract people because we can't, I say this time and time again, we can't rely on people just to fall into the industry. Like Mm. probably most of us here or all of us here could have, you know, I would say I've fell into it <laughs> you know I probably didn't want to do it but it if I was to have my time over I'd do something else maybe so we can't rely on people just to fall into it like we have been doing and we continue to do mm-hmm. so we are making a change obviously by making an effort a conscious effort to go out and about and you know raise awareness but that's a start you know still a long way to go because we're still hearing about stories about people crying out for skills you mm-hmm. know in every uh, aspect of all the sectors so you know yeah so I'm um, sorry I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I had two questions off the back of um you both talking about the sort of your educational experience the other question relates to not about whether you felt out of place but how you actually felt you were received by the men so I know Jacinta you said you know you because you were in that environment growing up you didn't feel out of place going to college and being the only woman but mm-hmm. Actually, how how did the guys on the BTEC feel about that? So is that for me or Jacinta? Sorry, Lisa. Oh, either one. You can jump oh. in first. <laughs> uh, so, so I think, I mean, when I went to uni the first time, I because I think it was all young lads. I mean, I was a couple of years older because I, as I said, I, I you know, went through my A-levels first and then, uh, so I was two years behind. But... I can honestly say that I don't think there was ever any sort of raised eyebrows or what are you doing on this course or how strange or anything. It was just complete, except not even not even like um, an acknowledgement or an acceptance. It was just like, okay, whatever, <laughs> that kind of thing. So all through university, I made, I made some great friends who are actually still friends with me now. But yeah, at no point did I ever feel that I was different or I shouldn't be there or they made a thing about it so yeah I can honestly say it was not a problem yeah I would the same I mean um when I look back on it nobody batted an eyelid nobody really to be fair but <laughs> on size you know you'd be lifting condensers or whatever it is you know particularly like for split systems they didn't care you know whether you get some guys that would be like oh here I'll take the heavy side aka the compressor side but like you know some of them would still let me lift the heavy side like it was just it just wasn't a thing you were just there to work and you just got on with it and I never was like going oh he gave me the heavy side oh my god you know that didn't enter my mind either (laughs) but now doing these when you get these questions it makes you think about the little things and you know there was no I would say no mercy it was just you're just this you're just another human (laughs) male or female didn't matter I don't think we were I was received any different um now then again you know if I met some of them again and maybe asked them what did they think I might get a different answer but nothing was ever apparent to me I'd actually say that now 
all this time later maybe sometimes I I see I don't know if you're going to come on to this Lisa so sorry if I'm jumping ahead but that was that was 20 odd years ago mm. now I sometimes think you know I go on site all the time and I think sometimes men are a bit surprised especially if I go and see a client and they and I turn up on site and maybe they'll be like oh um does she know what she's doing does she know what she's looking at do, do you need some help shall I open the door for you I don't mind my men opening the door for me by the way but I sometimes think now things are people are more questioning and I think gosh have we gone backwards and I, and I cannot think of a specific example it's not like I have ever been discriminated against that I can think of but I do sometimes think now that when you turn up when I turn up on site sorry that people instantly go oh uh I didn't expect that, you know, um, and afterwards, you know, it's, it might only be a splitting moment and then we get down, you know, and, and carry on doing what we're doing and, you know, it's gone, you know, we, we just carry on. So that's the only thing I can possibly think of. Well, the other thing I was going to say was that when I went to, on my graduate training scheme, there was a couple of other girls in the engineering bit as well. And one of them, did, she did did make a big thing about the fact that she was a female engineer she used to walk around all the time going I'm a female engineer she actually said that and um I think that actually riled people so I think if if you're of the mindset that this is a job I'm just going to get on with it I'm going to try and be as, as good at it as I can and I'm going to treat people with respect you actually get that back if you make a big deal of it and I think that would be the same whether it was a, a male or a female you might get treated a bit differently but I think if you just there and get on with your job then on the whole, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. And as you mentioned earlier, it's about nurturing everyone early in their careers in this industry to, to close that skills gap as well. It, male or female, it doesn't necessarily matter. I guess maybe people are more aware of it now that it might get mentioned more, whereas maybe 20 years ago, it was just assumed you weren't there to do what you were there <laughs> to do. But um, yeah, I think it is just getting on with the job and, and let's all work together and, and support each other. Yeah, yeah. I suppose as you know older longer standing members of our industry to look out for others so not not just the young women but the young men and encourage them to actually speak out if something isn't right or they don't feel right about something because I certainly know when I look back over my career there were many situations that I probably should have said something that I wasn't you know quite happy about and and it can be really silly things like when you're sat in the office someone comes in for a delivery and they immediately make a beeline for you because you're the only female in there and that's you know you scan this is not my work what you know but <laughs> there's a, yeah. a desk you can go to but they've just seen you and they think right woman she'll know what I'm supposed to be doing or she'll take this and um you just tend to get on with it don't you You just like oh yeah sign the paperwork and go and look at the palette or whatever and, you know maybe I should have said no that's that's not what I'm here for I work in the design department but you know, so I think it's, it's using that experience and that knowledge to try and help younger people just be more comfortable and actually speak out for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I should have probably, oh my God, if I thought about it, you know, there's plenty of times and it works in both directions. You know, it could work in my favour, work against my favour, you know, in speaking up and saying something. But yeah, yeah, we're all guilty. Uh, well, I speak for all, but I would safely say we're all guilty of that. I suppose sort of uh, rolling on from what we were saying earlier about sometimes when people are surprised to see you on site or at a particular meeting. Laura, do you have any funny, funny stories where perhaps something like that has happened or just something that's made you say uh, WTF, like what has just happened? Because <laughs> I'm sure we've all got one or two. Um, I would have to have a good think about that. I think... <laughs> funny enough the only thing that comes into my head is when I turn it because I always have my hair colour different colours and people usually actually comment more on that and I'm like does that make me not able to do my job sorry what has that got to do with anything um but I think probably the, the only time that where I've thought that is gosh this is actually quite fissure and this is nothing to do with refrigeration this is when I was working at Babcock and I had to go up this is one of the best actually it's, it's one of the weirdest and the best things that happened in my career so I had to go up to which is the nuclear sub base in Scotland. And we were replacing one of the seawater pumps. Uh, actually, it was on the cooling system. So it was a bit cooling related. When I got there, one of the guys there that I was working with had his, um, so it was very hot in the boat and he had his overall on, but it was completely open, like exposing everything. And I was just like, really? It's, 
<laughs> is that really appropriate? See, as I'm sitting here, I mean, first of all, unprofessional. Hello. I don't want to see all of that. Thank you. And um, also, I am a female, you know. So, and, and that, was an ex- that was a time when I probably should have said something and just sort of went, oh, my goodness, I'm not even going to look. So, yeah, maybe that. You just think about that if that was the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) What would be said, if anything? (laughs) Yes. Actually, I don't know what to say to that. I just don't know how to react to that. I don't know. I um, almost go through that. I don't want to make a fuss. I don't need to make a fuss. Why should I make a fuss? Yeah, actually. Yeah. 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 I'm so used to just being blokes. I was probably one of the only women that's ever been there to do that job. And they're just so used to doing it, whatever, whatever they do. And blokes do whatever they do. And not all blokes, sorry, but these particular ones. Yeah. (laughs) As you're talking there, I'm trying to think like what, what, what any comments I've ever got apart from, you know, in a completely inappropriate ones and situations that we've put it, well, I've been put in in the past, but there was, it's got nothing to do with my job at the moment, but I have my class one driving license. And when I was doing my lessons, I started, I got proper lessons um, eventually. And people were surprised, like people passing by, um, when my instructor would get out of the truck and he'd, you know, watch me reverse or do whatever it was, he'd always get back in and go, "There, people are surprised by this, by my size that's able to control this big thing. <laughs> I'm only short, like, you know, but it's just people have this perception of what you should look like. And my biggest thing at the time was back then, you know, the pedals were really heavy to push because, you know, to get to, to break, it's not like a normal car. It's, it feels quite different. I had to just buy big boots <laughs> not bigger than my feet but just big heavy boots to help me <laughs> but they didn't know that like, they just saw this little head above the you know the windscreen <laughs> trying to reverse this thing that was probably the only time really I suppose that wasn't wrong but it was just you know I started to realize then that oh maybe you know this isn't what people just think is right to look at when you look at something you know what I mean? Like you with your hair, it's like, oh, you look different. So <laughs> what's wrong about that? <laughs> you know, but that was probably the only thing I can think of, really. It's, it's a really cool, like, lesser known factor about you as well, isn't it, Jacinta? You know, class one license. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I, again, it's, I, I just, I hate saying it, <laughs> but I don't hate saying it, but it's just, <laughs> it sounds weird. <laughs> I love the smell of, um, and, and just the dirt and the grease and all that kind of smell that you get when you're around trucks. I love that smell. Um, and it's something I grew up with. And even when there's deliveries going by my window here, I love the noise of the trucks going by. I just, I'm on the motorway. I love them. Everything about that. So it's, um, people who know me well will probably know that about me, but uh, it's, it's it's another level of uh, <laughs> passion. <laughs> did, you, did you just decide to do that because it's something you wanted to do or did you have to do that through work? My father had a haulage company and he used to travel the continent and he had a number of trucks and trailers and all that that were always coming and going. And he did his own service and maintenance in the yard at home and stuff like that. So I grew up with that. And it's just that it's just a smell that just know with my eyes closed like you know it's just uh you just and you know even as overalls you know you would get that smell <laughs> kind of mixed grease everything mixed together so it's just something I've always wanted to do and I set myself this goal that by the time I turned 25 I was going to have all my licenses so I did my coach I did my rigid I did my arctic I did them all so that was something I wanted to do and did do and I still keep that going I still have all the um you know, all my medicals and all that uh, up to date as well, just in case you never know, you need something to fall back on. <laughs> just, yeah, you never know when you might step into a truck and drive yeah. it home. I like that. It's almost like that's your your homely smell, maybe. <laughs> it is. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's just like, you know, um, you hear a song that reminds you of holiday. Yeah. So yeah. It, it just brings you back to being at home as a child again, mm. like, you know. My dad's, um, my dad was a a painter decorator and I do I love the smell of fresh paint if I there kind of walk go. in anywhere yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I still love my, uh, my mother's cooking and stuff you know yeah yeah <laughs> it wasn't just trucks it was nice no. food as well. not all about him yeah that's brilliant that's really cool 
Um, it's funny as well because Laura, you're saying about the the ovals of the guy with the ovals, and just for some reason it triggered a memory in my mind. When I used to work in the factory, so I used to work twilight shifts in the factory manufacturing um, heat exchangers, and that was part of my apprenticeship was to get get to know the product inside and out and build it. And where I worked, the female locker room, which had like four lockers in it and two toilets, was always flooded. So you could never get change in there. So I had a locker in the men's like crew room. And like after you saying that about the way he was sat, and I suppose it was the way they were used to, it's made me wonder about what they used to think about me having a locker in their locker room and changing with them. They had showers and all sorts in there. And I never felt out of place. Yeah. And I didn't have any issues going in there. But now in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my God, actually, you know, they probably really hated me invading <laughs> their space. Well, they probably had to cover up <laughs> a little bit That's more. That's what I was thinking. Maybe they were used to just walking around with nothing on. Now they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> we have an imposter. <laughs> there were probably all sorts of rules set without you in involvement, Lisa Jane. Yeah. <laughs> But it also it highlights as well the fact that the, the women's locker room was never used in the factory. The fact that it was always flooded. There was something wrong with the toilet. And it was like that the whole time that I worked there, they yeah. never repaired it. So it just goes to show the demand for that space was really just non-existent. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's, that's a, that is a thing, isn't it? Because I've worked in a few places like that where uh, you've been on the shop floor. Maybe I, I, when I was at Bombardier, I used to work away a lot on in depots and um, in the manufacturing bits and the times you go into the female loos and basically they've just used the storerooms and everything was cobwebby because it's been so long since a woman's got into the toilet so yeah that that um yeah that also rang that bell with me when you just said that um, the one thing I do have a big problem with is when you go into a factory and I can't believe this still happens and they have calendars of naked women <laughs> that's a thing for me it's just like uh no, that's, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm quite a laid back little person, but I don't think there's any place for that nowadays. Sorry if any blokes are listening. Well, really, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Laura, right? Um, I got sent a calendar no. <laughs> by a oh, supplier no. one time. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I, I, I opened it up because my name is on the envelope and I was just, this is before, like, you know, I think it was the first time ever I got irate. I was so annoyed. I was like, going, why do you think I would want this? Did you not read? You know, did you not do your due diligence on who you were sending these out to? They may just made a blanket assumption that everyone would want this calendar. Mad. And I think you're right, um, male or female. And yeah, sack the marketing manager. I just thought it was just, a, I, I thought that the form of advertising was so antiquated and yeah, behind the times. Like I, I just, that because, I don't know, it just hit me that day. And um, I decided to find out exactly who to speak to. And I rang them up and I gave them a piece of my mind um, because I didn't appreciate it. Now, had they sent me a mail calendar, I probably wouldn't have had such a fuss, do you know? <laughs> yeah. It was just, it's just the assumption that, yeah. and I, that drove me mad that day. And yes, I was probably, I was living in the UK for sure. So in the last 14 years, so I was well old enough to realize that this was just like so such a backward, in my opinion, way of marketing. Mm. And I was more annoyed about that, more so than a, more so than it being a female calendar. It was just the fact that I was just, can you not think beyond this? You know, there's more ways to mm. market yourself nowadays. But yeah, so they are still a thing. Well, they were 14, thereabouts years ago. Were they were they apologetic or did they? Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. I never received in the next year's one. You know, oh, he was. <laughs> he was apologetic, but you know, I was just like, don't be so presumptuous. Do you know what I mean? For their sake, mm. you know, it could have, it could have, I don't know, gone pear shaped totally. But uh, I, I, I just, yeah, rang them up to let them know that. Probably mortified to get that phone call as well of, oh, God, this woman's ringing me about a calendar. <laughs> I know. When you, when you know. when I look back on it, though, like, I mean, it was silly, I suppose, because now it probably wouldn't bother me. But it was just that particular day. It just, no, I wasn't. Happy. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right as well. Yes. Yeah, is that the only way you can kind of market yourself? But, yeah, I've certainly seen some probably in more recent times than 14 years. But, yeah, very rare, thankfully. 
Yeah, I was going to say one of my first office jobs, again, because it's, it was very male dominated, there were those types of calendars everywhere. And um, I managed to get them taken down pretty swiftly by putting up a semi-naked fireman calendar next to my desk. And there was an email the next day that said, all of these calendars are coming down. <laughs> and that was that because it was obviously so offensive to the guy. You were more <laughs> like, offensive. Oh than, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it's, so it's a great move. I myself have gone to sites and see them everywhere and in garages and oh my god that that's not the problem the fact that it was like it's, it's like as if it was a personal thing because it was sent to me mm. you know yeah I, I, I and I have no problem with them it's just because it was addressed to me I had the problem or something I don't know <laughs> <laughs> keep it at home just, not the office it's just, yeah it's a question of what's professional isn't it really yeah yeah so moving on a little bit we wanted to know a little bit about your career highlights. I mean, we've obviously, again, we've, we've touched on the uh, Women's Engineering Society Top 50. But Laura, what's been sort of a real highlight in your career? So I met you, Lisa, earlier this year at the, was it the um, Air Conditioning and Heat Pump Awards? It was, June? yeah. So, so that night I won the Woman of the Year, which was completely and utterly unexpected. Uh, and the fact that a couple of people had nominated me for that was like mind blowing. So that was definitely a highlight. I think also just the fact that I, gosh, I hate blowing my own trumpet, but um, yeah, I guess wondering if I could set up a business and run it and actually have customers and then doing it and then having customers that come back I want me to work on their projects again and being able to employ people. That's like a highlight that sort of happens. And I'm not, I am aware of it, obviously, but it sort of happened without me sort of planning anything. Um, so, yeah, having a successful business is also obviously a highlight. So, yeah, that's it. Making that that jump, taking that opportunity and setting up your own consultancy is, is a massive thing. And the fact that you've mm-hmm. succeeded, you know, nine years down the line, it's, now at the state that you're at and you're going to merge, it's incredible. So you should be really proud of that. Oh, well done. What about you, Jacinta? The most shocked I ever was, I suppose, was, same as Laura, winning the Woman of the Year 2019. I actually was hardly able to hold it. I was so mortified as well as shocked and pleased and, oh, my God. And that sticks out at because I still have to look at the pictures and go, oh, my God, I didn't take one good picture because... <laughs> I was so shocked looking. <laughs> but, um, so that was probably a highlight, yes, for sure, because it was the first one, totally unexpected. And when I look back on it, yeah, I should be proud of myself. Like, you know, you know, uh, put, being appointed onto the IOR board, you know, after 119 years, being the third person, I think I was, third female, you know, was another highlight. Not a highlight at the time because, you know, you're just getting on with it, but... Now that I look back on it, yes, that's probably another highlight. I've had plenty of good nights out, <laughs> if that counts. <laughs> um, and I suppose another uh, nice thing to know that is, you know, the equipment that I've sold or put together and specced and all that. Over the 10 years I was with one particular company, you know, I haven't had any comeback, which is something I don't think about and didn't think about at the time. But now that I look back on, you know, my career for highlights or for, you know, sense of achievement, I suppose I'd pick probably things like that. I think something that I always look at with you, Jacinta, and maybe you haven't thought about it, is um, your role judging the National Student of the Year Awards. Oh, my God, I love doing that. Yes, yes, I love but it. It's, I love it. it's I love testament it. to how passionate you are about the young people in the industry and it puts you in a really strong position as a role model for our future talent. Yeah, thank you. Um, I didn't think of it like that, but I absolutely love that. Love that because, I don't know, it's just hard to explain. I just, you can see some people apply year on year. And, you know, you, you look at the applications, you see the type of applications they put in. You, like some of you judge as well, like, you know, different categories. So you can you can appreciate the different kind of, entries and you know you can nearly tell how passionate somebody is by their entry you know and what their highlights are what you know you 
you just get such insight into the youth that are coming through and I love that I absolutely love that and I think it's important to reward these people and I, I, I get disappointed then when some people don't enter and you know that there's more talent out there and their companies aren't behind them and I get frustrated with that because I think oh my god you know the, the, the results that you could get from this is really really good and if they just invest and all of that so mainly it's a, it's a good thing but I also see it as a, a way to try and raise more awareness about people who don't get involved but yeah no I do yeah I do really enjoy that category and um, because I think it's important and it's also because I can understand where they're coming from because I've been an apprentice I've been out on site I've, I've I understand the, the environment that they're in and I don't compare to mine but also I have got something to bring myself back to I wonder what you know kind of stage they're at I wonder what age this person is because you can kind of gauge where or how well developed they are at that stage as well if you know what I mean it's such a responsibility isn't it to be able to to do that and it's good that you're so passionate about it as well I am passionate about it and I suppose it's I don't know maybe it's because I just understand I don't know why I just am I think we all love that passion and I think we're all equally passionate as well oh for sure we all have our own little um flavors of what we like what we you know what what we don't like what we're more passionate about what we're it's just a natural thing you know what 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 committees we like to sit on what like you know initiatives we like to get uh, involved with it's just something that because you can't make yourself get involved if it's not something that you're interested in or you can't really contribute to you know so we all um and we're all different and even if we all have the same if we all sit in the same committee we'll all have different opinions as well so you know it's really important to have the more brains the better I suppose I think that's the the committees and the networking is is so important and talking to you to you ladies today but also the the networks that we've built with the IOR as well is is kind of how we've really found each other and got to know each other um listening to your your moments and your achievements it's just clear you're kind of only really not even midway into your careers and and those achievements will continue and it's nice that it's not looking back it is actually yeah this is just the start of it really and um exciting and yeah great to be mentors and and let young people come into the industry and and witness people like yourselves um who are supporting others as well and not just doing it for yourselves yeah and I think it being part of the IOR you know really opened up for me when I was on the board it really opened up opportunity to get involved like Lisa Jane I think you're on your second term now and it it just opens up so much more opportunity to get involved and have your say and to you know have an opinion and make changes and all of that so like you know I I don't think without the IOR I probably would have bothered with half of the things I got involved in or been aware of like you know yeah I think that that's probably quite a good takeaway point as well isn't it you know, sort of getting, you've both got to really good positions in your career um, and you've had slightly different paths. <clears throat> but what you've both done is is taken those opportunities. So when those doors have opened, you've, you've walked through them. So I'm just going to ask Laura, if, if you could give one like takeaway or closing point or a piece of advice to our listeners, what would that be? A couple of things, don't, don't ever limit yourself. Don't think, oh, I can't possibly do that. I know it's sometimes it's natural and, and and I still do that even now I couldn't possibly do that um but to try to to put that to one size in a way and just think well if I want to do it there is every opportunity to do that so if you want to get into engineering of any type whether and, and if you want to get into refrigeration if you want to get into heat pumps we need you so there's every opportunity to get involved and try to find the people who are going to build you up and encourage you like Jacinta, in fact, like all of us on this panel today, and try not to be too influenced by those around you who might be like the naysayers, because the sort of the the opportunity is so huge. You don't want to be pushed back by maybe a couple of naysayers. So it's really to be encouraged that yes, you can do it, 
and it doesn't matter if you're a girl female you can do it absolutely and to to try and find that person or people who will encourage you so you know the the IOR is is a really great place to come and say hey I would like to do this but I'm not quite sure can I talk to somebody then we're here you know so yeah I'd say just go for it because we need you thank you and Jacinta Uh, for me it'll be listen nobody is that good that they know everything listen to advice listen you know, just listen to what people say because, you know, it's it's important. You know, you might learn something. I would say for anybody coming into the industry, um, find a good employer that's willing to invest in you and, you know, get involved in other activities and things like that. Not just have you working 24-7 because, I mean, if if you are really good at what you do, you will be rewarded, whether it's financially or through referral work or, you know, whatever it is you will be rewarded mentors i think mentors are key to just you know even 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 ourselves would i say everybody here is a mentor yes in some description yeah or inspiring at least we we all can share similar ideas and it's great to be able to bounce that off somebody you know if i start talking about my job at home to my sisters they're, they automatically switch off so i won't go talking mm-hmm. to them <laughs> i'll try and find people who are like me and that you know we can mentor each other kind of thing by just having a conversation do you know what I mean so yeah I would say listen for sure mentors employers good employers and um, good advice and take opportunities um, that make sense thank you Jacinta for that and thank you Laura as well really nice talking to you both and I think even those last final sentiments are just really good things to actually go away and think about really appreciate your time it's been really really nice to talk to you and hopefully yeah get to see you both very soon at maybe winning an award or just a good night out at some point. Thanks, Lisa Jane, as always. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you found it interesting and inspiring. Please do download the rest of the series and keep an eye out for any social media posts where you can listen again, see what's next and share with your colleagues and even tell us what you want to hear more of. You can get more involved with our LinkedIn group, which is IOR Women in RACHP. Please help to spread the network wider with your colleagues, um, but please also get in contact if you'd like to reach out about anything or get more involved and we're always happy to support.